This is a new thing. Um, so, whoo, little weird. I've been building to this for about, probably about 16, 17 years. Dr. Alex Lloyd and welcome to the new Jesus. Uh, you may notice we have a different look here. Uh, actually Hope and I have moved uh, both our home and uh, the company. We are here for about 10 months uh, while we are building a new facility. Um, trying to get a little more Techie. I'm kind of a techno idiot. I love technology, but I'm not very good at it. Uh, and we've got more technology we're working on that's coming very soon that we hope uh, will enhance uh, the experience. Please give us feedback. The feedback you all have been giving me, I just love it. Keep it coming. And it's so interesting. Um, one person, and uh, I've never heard this before, right? Uh, do you have to talk so loud? Can you please talk softer? It hurts my ears. Um, I apologize. I really do. I, I, every time I've tried to do that, it comes out the same way. Uh, I don't know why. I grew up in a, in a family. We were kind of like an Italian family. We argued about everything and then we hugged and kissed and said I love you and it was over until the next thing to argue about. And I was the baby, the youngest, and the youngest by far. So I had to really speak up, sometimes yell to be heard. And I guess that's where it came from, I don't know. But anyway, I apologize. It reminds me uh, of an episode of Andy Griffith where um, Barney had basically locked up the whole town while uh, Andy was gone and he'd locked up like a 90 year old guy and Andy was like what in the world did he do and uh, Barney said disturbing the peace and Andy says disturbing the peace and then he turns to the 90 year old guy and uh, Barney had told Andy what he said you dirty rotten liar or something like that and Andy said will you please say you dirty, rotten, cheating liar at the top of your voice. And it was like, you dirty, rotten, cheating liar. I mean, it, it, was, it was almost a whisper, you know, and then uh, Andy let him go. That's kind of the opposite of me. Everything with me comes out one way. Uh, so I apologize. Uh, another one. Um, wow, your accent. Where in the world are you from? Well, obviously I'm from the South, Tennessee. I was born and bred in Tennessee, but in a very small town in East Tennessee. Uh, small town, I think, is a little worse accent-wise than the big city. And I've tried to change my accent, uh, not lately, but years ago, when people would remark about it so much. And I can't, I, I can't do that either. I don't know how actors do it. It just comes out the same no matter what. And uh, I'll never forget, I went to Canada on a, um, a church campaign and I was probably 
oh, 14, 15 years old, and we would knock on doors and invite them to the event downtown uh, that we were there to help with, okay? So I'd knock on a door, and I had my little spiel, you know, that we had on a card. Um, I had my little spiel recognized, uh, I mean, um, memorized. So I'd knock on the door, hi, my name is Alex Lloyd, I'm from Brentwood, Tennessee, and I'm here to invite you to the, and they'd start laughing. And then go to the next house, knock on the door, hi, my name is Alex Lloyd, I'm from Nashville. They'd start laughing, okay? That happened several times, I mean, and, and, and two or three in a row. And finally, I knocked on the door, started my thing, they started laughing, and I stopped and I said, what in the world are you laughing at? And the dear sweet lady said, I have never in my life heard anyone talk like you. Say it again. <laughs> so anyway, you're probably not thinking say it again. But um, anyway, just wanted to update you since I've... Uh, and lots and lots of good comments. Thank you so much for those. And several that wanted some clarification. Hope I got you that. Uh, we also have a time every Wednesday for live Q&A uh, about this stuff or pretty much anything else. Okay, so the new Jesus, new facility for about 10 months. Um, ideas about a logo, let us know. We're, we're kind of working on that right now. All right. Um, so let's bring in the board. All righty. Is that centered? Pretty close. Okay, brief review. Last week, uh, again, we want the best outcome every time, which God promises us if we are right with Him in a state of grace, etc., which we've talked about over and over and over and over and over. Uh, last week, discontent is the great shaper of our lives for good or ill. So, if that's true, then it's a wonderful way you can tell where you are and you can evaluate almost any situation to see what you should do. And I'll go a little further with that later. Uh, we talked about how you can eliminate uh, these basic things or you eliminate love and we'll go a little farther with that this week uh the definition of love i've got your back you know but very few people really mean it that way they mean i've got my back and i'll help you as long as it's still not messing my pain and pleasure up okay uh, we talked about how we're not supposed to be responsible, we're supposed to be accountable, that punishment doesn't seem like love, but maybe it is because love, one of the components that love requires is justice. God is a God of justice and truth. And justice and truth are where the consequences come for your choices which is what God does. He doesn't choose for you. He allows you free will choice. What are you going to do? It's your choice. He may know, but he doesn't, he doesn't make you choose. He gives you your free will. He has to, or it eliminates love. If you believe it's wrong, it's wrong for you. Uh, we talked about the tragedy of turning away from God because of mean people. 
Okay, I remember um, my very first class in graduate school, I met the young man uh, who was to become my wonderful friend. We had the same class together, the first day of graduate school, the first class of graduate school. We were there together, ended up sitting by each other. We took every class together for the next three and a half years, became great friends. And I will never forget him telling me why he had turned away from God and would never turn back. He grew up in the church, okay? And it, and it still haunts me. He said, Alex, I was sitting in church one day, bored to death, about 20 people there, okay? Uh, a dying church, in his words. Very legalistic, very punitive, very you know, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God kind of thing. He did never liked it. So he's sitting there in church uh, thinking of something, trying not to be bored, and then the preacher starts talking about how everyone in the Baptist church that's directly across the street is going to hell. Why? Because they're in the church that has Baptist written on it instead of Church of Christ. That's the reason they're going to hell, basically. And my friend, sitting in the Church of Christ, bored, hearing the preacher say that, it just flipped a switch in him. And he said, this is why. He said, my best friend, was in that building at that time when the preacher said that. And again, my friend was telling me, man, I used to get in all kinds of trouble all the time. I was a stinker, okay? Smoking, drinking, messing around, you name it, I did it. And the more the better, all right? My friend, who's in the Baptist church, he said, is the best guy I have ever known. He always does the right thing. He's always kind to people. He, 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 I mean, when I grow up, I want to be like him. And that preacher is saying he's going to hell because he's in that building, okay? And right then and there, something flipped in my friend and he turned away from God and is still turned away from God today, decades later. Why? Because he's not going to buy or worship or be in relationship with a mean God who would send his friend to hell just because he went in a building that had a different name written on it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you already know this. The friend was never going to hell because of that. God's not mean. God doesn't do that. God would not do that. I think God, I think God disliked what that preacher said even more than my friend did because he saw in my friend's heart when that switch flipped as soon as, as the preacher said it. And it mourned him. It grieved him. We'll talk some next week about how God experiences our emotions and feelings and has compassion and is upset when we're hurt and, and 
all kinds of things like that, okay? God loves us. That's what a loving parent would do, not a mean matriarch or patriarch, okay, who's, who's just wielding power for their own self-interest, okay? Um, but anyway, um, don't miss out on your best success, your best relationships, your best health, your best love because of a mean man or woman. And that's what it would be because it is never God. Okay, uh, pain inspires action. That's back more to uh, um, we can't eliminate any of these things, or we eliminate love. We're going to talk a little more about that. Back to Matthew 5, blessed, and what it really means is that God declares me righteous, holy, and sacred. He says you are righteous, you have the righteousness of Christ, you are holy, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you are one with Jesus, the mystery of the ages, and God is here and in me. God is all and in all. Was well, my body part of all? I believe it is. Okay? So, they're there. They're here. Okay? And they declare me, especially when I'm mourning or when people persecute me or say all manner of evil against me falsely then I am blessed, which means that God makes me, gives me the righteousness of Christ. Makes me holy and declares me sacred. Kind of like the little girl in the help. You are smart. You are, forgot one of them. You are smart. You are important, you are kind, you are smart, you are important, you are kind. Well, God with me, Alex, you are righteous, you are holy, and I declare you sacred. Wow, cool. Um, and God judges the intent of the heart, not the act. Faith without works is dead. That's not a works problem. Grammatically, it's a faith problem, all right? And with the faith, with the faith, right faith, comes the right works. Alright? Um, so the key to everything is what's your intention. Scripture says God judges the intention of the heart. He reads it. He, like a book, he can read the heart. He judges the intention of the heart. Okay. That's it for last week. I'm doing better. That one may not have been five minutes, but it wasn't 20 either. Okay, here we are this week. This is the list week. Uh, some of the feedback you guys have been giving me is I really like the list. All right, well, I'm going to give you four of them today. So if you like the list, uh, these are great ones to put on your 3x5 cards or write with lipstick on your mirror or post-it note or hang from your rearview mirror or whatever, all right? Uh, but, but we're not starting there yet. Okay, uh, belief in love versus fear of death, okay, we're still there. Love B versus self-interest, all right, those go together. 
So here's the question I'm starting with today. Do you judge action or intent? That's to you. Do you judge a person's actions or do you judge their intention? Well, the only way you can judge their intention is if they tell you what their intention is. And they may not even completely know themselves if the unconscious and uh, sins of the father's generational issues are playing a significant part, all right? So if you can't judge actions, because we're not supposed to judge, okay, and it's not about actions in the first place. It's about the intention of the heart. That's what God says. And you can't know the intention of the heart unless they tell you. They may not even be able to tell you because they don't know. Then what do you do? You, you don't judge. You don't judge. Okay? Now, maybe someday, if they share with you, you know, I think this is the reason I did that. Now that I think about it, Okay, well, you're still not supposed to judge, but at least now you're getting some perspective, all right? Uh, I've talked for years, 30 years, about what I call the what, the why, and the who. Almost all of my clients, me, for decades of my life, probably you, either now or in the past, judge yourself and others by what you do or don't do. And you even calculate, okay, if I do this, what will that get me with other people who see me doing that? Or if I do a negative what thing, action, what will I lose if other people see? You know, we do that in a microsecond, or your unconscious mind does, and then you decide what to do. Well, we tend to judge the what's, the actions, the external circumstances. Most people determine if their life is successful or not by the what's, their external and physical circumstances, all right? The problem is the intention of the heart comes from why you do it and why you do it comes from who you believe you are, your identity and worth, your significance and security that we've talked about before, which come from love, all right? Um, okay, so a person can change everything in their life, almost, or lots of things, except their belief. You can't change your belief just by willpower. You can't do it. Try. How do you not believe what you believe? <laughs> Answer that. How do you believe what you, not, what you don't believe? You can't. Okay? Belief is one of those things you discover yourself doing after enough input of information comes in. Or if you don't have the information, just making a choice based on what you think, okay? But 
You can change just about everything in your life, except you can't change that. Well, what's the deal with that? Everything boils down to your belief. Everything. Bruce Lipton, God, science. I mean, everything boils down to your belief, but they are almost impossible to change by willpower. All right? So, what are the rules of the game? God's game. This game. Or, or maybe that offends some of you, me calling life a game. I, I don't mean it that way. What are God's rules of life? The new covenant life that he envisioned before the foundations of the world. Jesus was lamb slain before the foundations of the world. We were called, known, justified, glorified, maybe, at least some of us, before the foundations of the world, all right? So, what are the rules? If we're playing Monopoly, what are the rules? If we're playing football, what are the rules? You get three, you get four downs, you got to get ten yards, you get seven points for a touchdown, three, you know, whoever's got the most points. Those are the rules. All right, what are God's for this life? <laughs> Sorry. List, number one. The rules, of the, the rules of the game are life. Number one, belief. It's everything. You have to have the truthful, holistic, having considered everything. The word integri integrity means the whole truth. You've got to have the right belief. To do that, you've got to search until you find all the pieces, and then you don't try to believe. You meditate and pray over it daily until you discover yourself believing, okay? And, and that will happen. Cho uh, choice. You can't take away choice or you eliminate love. Belief. You can't take away belief and, and, and needing to have the right belief because the right belief points the way to love, the wrong belief to fear, okay? So, got to have the right belief which is the truthful one, the de facto one, not the placebo or the nocebo. The de facto, the whole reality truth. Okay, you gotta have choice, you have gotta have love, that's what this whole thing is about. You gotta have time because belief and pain both require time. You gotta have pain because that's God's number one tool to change you to change your beliefs, to move you to a different place, for you to learn something, to go up a little bit higher and a little bit higher and a little bit higher, all right? That's, that's one of his main tools, if not the main one. You've got to have justice because God is a God of justice. And even we as humans, the first thing we would do in an unusual situation after making sure everyone's okay, is establish a system of justice, okay? You get one bottle of water a day, because that's all we've got. If you sneak and steal two bottles, then there's going to be some kind of consequence, because we've got to make this just, fair for everyone, okay? And it has to be paid for justice, real justice, not cheap justice. And grace. I left grace out. I can't believe that. Um, so there's actually seven 
grace. Love would always choose grace for the object of its love. Alright? Not punishment. Okay? So those are the rules. So if you want to have the best life you can have, best health you can have, best relationships you can have, these are the factors that you have to um, work into your game plan in an attempt to win life, win your life, okay? And remember last week we talked about if you're in a state of grace, if you're right with God, you've already won it. You've got your golden ticket. That's not something to come. You've got it, all right? But this is what you have to have. Belief, choice, love, time, pain, justice, and grace are all required for love. You remove any one of them and love falls, okay? Which cannot happen because it's the reason for our very existence and the existence of Earth and the universe and everything else. All right, so that's list number one. List number two, God's assurance. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I skipped one. The grace state. The grace state. What do you need to be in a grace state? Well, it's summed up with your will be done life, moment by moment. Jesus, before his death, sweating drops of blood, Afraid out of his mind, I think. Okay? Being afraid isn't a sin. It's what you do with it. Alright? Yeah, it says 365 times, fear not, fear not, fear not. But we can't always control that, just like we can't always choose to feel love. Alright? This physical, fleshly body gets in the way of all of that. All right, and discombobulates it. But we need this fleshly body to make it a relatively equal choice to see will we choose love and win-win-win for all concerned or self-interest fear. Okay? So, being a grace state. Number one, love Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I'm right with God as best I know how to do that. Um, I'm committed. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I'm committed long-term to God's will for my life rather than mine. I can say that and mean it, okay? Even if I don't feel it, I can mean it, all right? An intention, again, all right? So, love Jesus, number two, you're an intention for only good. We talked about that last week. Man, what a diagnostic that is. That whether it's going through my day and letting someone in to traffic who's wanting to get in even though I'm running late, all right? Don't just make a decision, let them in to traffic or not. Use God's diagnostic, all right? What's my intention here? Is my intention in traffic only for good. Okay, yeah, so I'm gonna let the guy in. Does that mean I let everybody in? No, because my intention is for good and that wouldn't be maybe fair and just and right for all the people waiting behind me, all right? So I let one in, maybe two, and then, you know, wave to them, wave to the people behind me, sorry, just trying to be nice and then go on. An intention for only good. 
and you can look at that whether it's taking the garbage the uh, traffic example uh, a relationship an interaction your health is your intention only for good if you eat a half gallon of ice cream every night okay well probably not you know that's not good for you all right so if you choose to do it I would say that you're letting that intention for only good go now does that mean you can't eat ice cream no I, I love ice cream I'm an ice cream guy but not a half gallon every night all right our body's the temple of the Holy Spirit we're supposed to take care of it like it's it is sacred and holy because of that all right God lives in me all right so I can use that intention for only good on almost anything I'm confronted with in my day that I might do or not do respond not respond etc number three um, do your absolute best do everything you do as if you're doing it unto the Lord do your absolute best if you're taking out the garbage do your best if you're running to the grocery store do your best if you're doing a project at work man don't just get it done so that so that you can hand it in don't just get it done so that you won't get fired man do your best blow them away all right do your best period whatever it is you're doing uh, and lastly help everyone you can I didn't say help everyone you can't help six billion people talk about that last week help everyone you can and those situations will naturally come into your life if guess what <laughs> you're right if that's your intention to help as many as you can invest in relationships every single day it's what creates that love joy peace that gold strike inside of you that just keeps getting better and better and better and every relationship loving relationship you have like that we've talked about it is like gold in you for your health your emotions everything okay so state of grace you're what we done moment by moment number one love Jesus number two intention only for good number three do your absolute best number four help all you can invest in relationships every chance you get ah man another uh, standing standing at the checkout line with someone we're just standing there all right why not hey how you doing today I love your jacket very nice who knows what'll happen smile be kind uh, being simply kind is one of the greatest things you can ever do for another person okay and yourself okay now next list God's assurance if you are in a state of grace you are we talked about this last week about the help and the little girl remember that Alex you are righteous you are holy 
and I declare you sacred. And that from the actual root meaning of the word blessed from Matthew 5, where Jesus said, blessed or happy are they that mourn. Blessed or happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Sound like bad things. How in the world am I going to be blessed or happy with that? Well, because when that happens, God acts on me and says, Alex, you are righteous. I'm doing it in you right now. You are holy. I'm doing it in you right now. And I declare you sacred right now. That's how you're blessed, even if you're persecuted, even if you're mourning. So God is not doing nothing. You are being acted on by the love of God to be better and better, higher and higher, as long as you'll keep choosing God, choosing love. Alright? Okay. Um, Jesus said, Revelation 1, John's terrified, is in the throne room of heaven. Says Jesus' face was like the sun at midday, his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. John is terrified, falls at the feet of Jesus, it says, as if he were dead. Terrified. Jesus puts his hand on him. Fear not, it is I, the one who is dead and is now alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Well, death is sickness, disease, illness, life, death. Hades is more saved, not saved, righteous, not righteous, etc. So Jesus is saying, I got the keys to everything that you want and need. And I'm here and I love you. Fear not. Okay. Um, another wonderful diagnostic. Discontent, content, intention. We talked about that last week. Discontent is the shaper of our lives for good or ill. And I read you the postulate that um, my philosopher's son Harry wrote. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. But discontent, that is in the um, fruit of the spirit of patience. Okay, what else is in the category of patience from the fruits of the Spirit? Anger. That's the opposite. Anger, irritation, frustration, resentment, bitterness, overwhelmed, etc. Okay? Um, so if you are discontent, rather than having patience, that means you're experiencing something in the anger family with what's going on in your life. And, it, and remember, it doesn't have to be full-blown anger. Irritation, frustration. You ever feel those? Okay? Worried over something? All right? That probably won't happen. So, if you're discontent, you, you are in the anger family, which also means you have a wrong goal. When, when something happens that's not what you wanted, and you experience something in the anger family or impatience, it means you've got a wrong goal. 
What's a wrong goal? You have taken ownership of an end result in the future that is not completely under your control, may not even what be what is best for you, okay? And you're supposed to live in the present in love, not focused in the future on something that produces discontent, whatever. Why, why, why is that? That's research out of, out of Harvard, best-selling book, Stumbling into Happiness, Dr. Dan Gilbert. Expectations are a happiness killer. That's what they found in their research study on the campus at Harvard. If you have a goal in the future that you're not 100% in control of, it sends you into physiological stress. If you're already stressed, which most people are, it spikes your stress. On the other hand, if you're content, it means you are acting in patience which is one of the fruits of the Spirit from God. It doesn't mean you're doing the patience. That's from God. That's God's patience. The fruit of the Spirit, all right? That the Holy Spirit does inside of us, okay? So if you're content, that's a great diagnostic to show you, okay, yeah, I'm in this state of grace, hopefully, and am doing pretty good on these seven things trying to believe the truth. I've been on my journey in search. I'm trying to choose every day and multiple times a day to recommit back to God and to set my intention for nothing but good, etc. Um, to do my best and to help all I can, help as many as I can and invest in relationships, all right? I'm okay with pain, don't like it, but I realize it's a, an avenue for me to grow and be a better version of me, and time is needed for that. So I, I, I don't have to get impatient because God, what God's will, if I stay in that state of grace and keep choosing love and keep choosing God, then God's best solution for me is going to naturally unfold. So I can be content. I'm free. I'm saved. I've got the golden ticket. I know I'm going to win. So, okay, I'm going through some pain now. But, again, Scripture says that can't even compare with what's to come. It's like a mist that appears for a second, and then it's gone. And then intention, which determines whether you feel discontent or content. All right? So if you are discontent, you've got a wrong intention. And it's probably to get pleasure or stay away from pain and manipulate circumstances however you have to to do that rather than in belief and faith giving God control, okay? So if you shift your intention to um, this, to love Jesus, intent only for good, do absolute best, and help all you can, then this is going to switch over time anyway, or God can do it quickly if he chooses to, to take you from discontent to content. How? By your beliefs changing. Okay? Um, I was thinking this week about some of my old beliefs growing up in the legalistic religious way I did. Um, Dancing was a mortal sin. 
Drinking was a mortal sin. Uh, mixed swimming, even if your shorts were down to here for guys and girls, mortal sin. Uh, how you dress, uh, modestly, immodestly, mortal sin. On and on and on and on, all right? New beliefs, I don't believe any of that today, okay? But I argued and judged people growing up on the basis of dancing, drinking, swimming, dress, judged them negatively, judged them harshly, judged them to be sinful, to be not saved, to be, man, that just, I can't believe I ever did that today. I can't believe I ever believed that stuff. But I guess when your parents and everyone else around you, teachers in school, church, friends, I mean, I was kind of in a cocoon. You're, you're going to believe that, all right? But once you get to 8, 10, 12, and for sure 40, 50, 60, hey, now you got to be the hobbit, Frodo, take off from your comfortable hobbit hole, go on the journey to the lonely mountain through all the forest with all their hazards and everything. you got to go on your journey in search to find the truth the truth about you, about God, worldview, all that stuff we've talked about, all right? And once you find that and then pray and meditate over it, the truthful new belief will float up. Will that take a week? Will it take a year? No way to know. Depends on how deeply it's ingrained, how many memories and beliefs you have supporting that wrong belief, what tools you use, God's plan for your life, etc. All that stuff comes into play. So there's no way to know that, all right? Um, and we talked last week some about perception. And so many of us, we don't go on the journey to find that true, love-based belief that will power us through our life and allow us to exchange my strength for God's strength, okay? Um, a new heart, the righteousness of Christ, the mind of Christ, all of that, all right? My perception, that's, that's the easy way, that's the lazy way, where instead of going on the journey, uh, I'm just gonna, I think that's that. And that's what I did growing up. See somebody uh, with an earring, a guy with an earring, ah, sinner. A guy with a tattoo, ah, sinner. A guy with long hair, ah, sinner. I really did that growing up. Can you believe that? Did you ever think anything like that or know anyone that did? It's awful. It's terrible, okay? That's what perception does. It's the lazy way. I'm not going to go on the journey. I'm just going to sort of surface level, here's what I think. And then that's it. And it's usually either what I've grown up being taught or a 180 degree um, opposite of what I believe growing up because what because growing up did nothing but hurt me and I'm wanting to get as far away from that as I can. So I don't care if I throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm just finally away from that and I'm never going to live it again. All right? So it's either in harmony with what you believe growing up or like the 
opposite. And very often the opposite, that's going too far. All right? So either one of those are usually wrong. What you need is the truthful love-based belief that God can funnel His strength through, exchange my strength for His, walk and not grow weary, run and not faint, mount on wings of eagles. That's God's strength. But He wants to give it to me so that I can have the best life possible for me and I can be okay even with pain and time uh, and not see them as the enemy but as something I'd rather not go through but on the other hand I've, I'm kind of embrace it and I'm okay with it because there's a good chance after this pain's over I'm gonna be at a higher happier better more at peace place okay um, what do you believe today? Oh, oh, oh let, me, let me give you an example first. I, I was thinking about perception. One time, a uh, number of years ago, on um, a university campus where I was doing a lecture, um, all of a sudden there was this big commotion, and people were yelling and screaming and running and stuff. And I looked over, and there was a little child, and there were two men kind of pulling and fighting over the little child, all right? And all of a sudden, one of the men got the upper hand and started beating up the other man, all right? And of course, everybody around is just horrified, and they, they rush in and they grab that guy and pull him away and hold him down and say to this guy that's now bloody and beaten and kind of laying on the ground, are you okay? Are you okay? We are so sorry. They've already called the police, you know. Well, if you were to witness that, what would you think? What would you feel? Close your eyes and think about that a minute, okay? Well, the truth is that one of the men was trying to abduct the child, okay? The, and the other man was the child's father. Okay? Does that change the situation any? How about this? The, the man who was the sexual predator was the one that got beat up. The father was the one who got the upper hand, finally got his child away from the guy and then beat him up enough to make sure he was not going to kidnap his child. Alright? Does that change it? Well, it sure did for all of us there because we were mad at the guy who was beating the other guy up and felt all this compassion for the guy who got beaten up. But that was the wrong perception, okay? The truth was something almost the opposite of that, totally, entirely different, and in a big, important way, right? Um, so it's easy to misunderstand 
When you're living by perception instead of a commitment to find the truth in any and every situation as best you can and pray and ask for guidance and turn and, and when adversity hits like that 2 Corinthians 4 passage father i'm delighted to give the, to be to obey you in this adverse painful situation and jesus will you please come to the forefront of my life and manifest in my physical body and the power of god exchanged i exchanged my strength for his and mount on wings of eagles, okay? That is an accurate belief. Misunderstanding is perception, and we tend to judge based on our perception, which means we very often judge wrong, even and sometimes especially judging ourselves. Okay, all right, we're about done. What do you believe today that's not true. That's your homework. <laughs> if you choose to accept this mission. Um, what do you believe today that's not true? Do you believe you're a bad person? Not true. Do you believe you can't do it right? It's not true. Well, that's true. But God can do it through you and do it more than right enough. Do you believe that you've already sinned too much? Not true. Do you believe that uh, your actions tell the tale about you or the intention of your heart? If it's actions, that's not true. Okay? What do you believe right now that's not true. And I can almost guarantee you that's the thing that's causing the negative emotions, the negative thoughts, the negative uh, hormones, negative brain chemistry. That's what's doing it, is the things that you misunderstood because you're using perception instead of going on the truth journey and that's causing you to have a wrong belief, which is causing you to malfunction. It's fear-based. The hypothalamus flips the stress switch, and now all of a sudden you have a wrong belief. Your choice is for pain pleasure. You are very impatient, and um, instant gratification over and over and over. Um, you choose self-interest, maybe, instead of love. Pain is the enemy, as is time, and justice, you feel like you're probably either already toast or better than everybody else, either inferior or superior, okay? Um, research says that about 95% of the things we worry about never happen. Well, why do we why do we worry then because we have a misunderstanding that comes from a perception instead of a de facto true belief and it's fear-based pain pleasure based and it causes us 
to violate the rules of life that are essential in order for this thing called love, which is what our existence is all about. Um, Scientific American, 50% of what you believe about yourself and your life is simply not true. 50%. We've had a devolution in our memories going back not decades or even centuries, but millennia. All right? Where one generation junk was passed down to the next generation, the next generation piled their own junk on top of the junk they received from the past generation, and then they pass it to the next generation, and we just keep getting more and more junked up. All right? Well, we have to intentionally choose the journey of truth to find the right beliefs instead of just the lazy perception, judging actions, and behaviors. Um, another article by Scientific American um, entitled, um, There is no willpower. There's no such thing as willpower. Okay? And um, that's pro the discussion of that I'll probably do another in another segment. But basically, uh, what they found is that for most of us, our memories are so junked up that we're more like a puppet on a string where our thoughts, feelings, actions, whatever, are almost mandated to us rather than having free will choice. Now, I believe you can get free will choice back if you clean up some of this junk inside and ask God to heal it and do some of the things we've talked about, but the state that most of us are in now, based on the research, is that you're not choosing your life, it's being dictated to you. And it's being dictated to you by an unconscious mind that always leans to the negative because it's part of the survival instinct. Okay? Uh, also, um, in the self-help world, goes back 75 years, okay, there's a 97% failure rate. And um, I believe it's because basically all of them do the same three-step blueprint they say for success, decide what you want, develop a plan to get it, change the plan as needed, and with your willpower, do the plan until you, you achieve your success and never give up. That's it. That's a three-step blueprint. Now, they change it around some. Some will say there's six steps, some ten, some two. But in general, they all boil down to that. And there's a 97% failure rate with that over 75 years, okay? Doesn't work. In fact, it's a pretty good blueprint for failure, okay? Uh, it vi Why? Because it violates spiritual law. And just like you can't violate gravity and get away with it, you can't violate spiritual law and get away with it either. In fact, the spiritual is the primary. It's not 
body, mind, spirit, even though I've said that myself a lot, it's spirit, mind, body. You get the spiritual right, the mental and physical almost always take care of themselves. You get the physical and mental right, but not the spiritual, won't do you any good. You'll still get cancer. You'll still, uh, you might make a lot of money, but you're likely to make a lot of money and be miserable. Okay? Why? Because that's, that's, that's seek pleasure, avoid pain. That's willpower. That's expectation. Okay? The thing that is a happiness killer. And Dr. Bruce Lipton uh, says about the willpower thing, the odds of trying to be successful at something that you've never been successful at through willpower alone are about a million to one. It's just not going to happen. That's why the whole definition of insanity thing. People keep doing the same thing expecting a different result. Why do they keep doing the same thing? They can't get out of the hamster wheel. They try about 50 times in their life. but And it may work for six months, but then they slide right back. You know what the research is on diets? Virtually every year, the number one selling category of books is diet and weight loss books. Okay? You know who buys them this year? Same people that bought them last year. What does the research say? about those diets. It says that none of them work. None of them. Not keto, not... None of them work. What the research says is a little more exercise, a little less food, meditation, de-stress, that's how you do it. And it is. That is how you do it. Okay? Why do we keep buying the books then, instead of doing that? Because we're living by perception. We're not, we're, we're not willing to go on that long, scary journey of self-discovery and, and finding out who I really am and looking in all of my locked doors in my heart and unconscious mind and getting the rubber gloves on metaphorically to clean that stuff out and get back to living by the rules of life that are required for love, our best life, and forever in heaven. Okay? Belief, choice, love, time, pain, justice, grace. And then grace state, love Jesus, intention for only good, absolute best at everything you do and help as many as you can. God's assurance, you are righteous, holy, and declared sacred. Your intention comes from your beliefs. Your beliefs come from your memories. Your memories are made of energy. And we'll go a little bit further with that probably next week and sort of a practical how to apply this, you know, with the way your body, mind work, all that sort of thing in a little different way than we have before, okay? All right, so let me read you um, the postulate for this week for 
this teaching. Again, by my son, Harry. Um, so, listen. To improve life, a person will change almost anything except a belief. The mind can change the body, but rarely itself. For that, you need sincere humility, a willingness to make even your deepest beliefs vulnerable in search of the truth. I've got to read that one more time. I'm sorry. To, to improve life, a person will change almost anything except a belief. The mind can change the body, but rarely itself. For that, you need sincere humility, a willingness to make even your deepest beliefs, and I'm going to add fears, to make even your deepest beliefs and fears vulnerable in a search for the truth. Oh, wait a minute. Did I leave out another one here? I did. Oh, my goodness. Did I really do that? Yeah. Okay. So, number eight is truth. So, belief, choice, love, time, pain, justice, grace, and truth. The seven my favorite number and the perfect number from scripture the seven rules that you cannot violate or love falls and love is what you want most whether you know it or not okay so what do you believe today that is not true and are you willing to change your rules, get in a state of grace, plug into God's assurance, exercise your intention to be content in all circumstances, which is what Paul said. I've learned to be content in all circumstances. If that's your intention, that's where it'll take you. It may take a while, how, how great would that be to be truly, not, try, not just trying to, but being, feeling content in any circumstance? Oh, man. How many people have you ever known that, that live that way? You can count them on one hand, I bet. I haven't known many, all right? Okay, so think about this week. You can't change a belief by willpower, but you can go on a search for the truth. And when that's found, meditated, prayed over, over time, will change your belief to the one that is true. And you score. And you already know you're going to win the game. Okay. All right. Uh, I hope this is interesting. Let me know. 
uh, what you need clarification on, or uh, if you want to talk about my accent or how loud I talk, like a used car salesman or something. Uh, again, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I, I'm 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 used to that. I love you. God loves you. Have a wonderful, blessed day. Thank you.